I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Season 3, Episode 1 of Hog Hoops Live. I'm your host, Curtis Wilkerson. You can find me alongside the crew, Trey Biddy, Danny West, and Andrew Elsett over at hogsports.com. Listen, when you see this face pop up or you hear this voice, you know basketball season has arrived. We're less than a week away from the start of the regular season. So consider this our Arkansas basketball preview episode. We're going to take a deep dive into this Razorback team. Uh, look ahead at the early portion of the schedule. We'll talk lineups and rotation, uh, the good and bad from the preseason. We'll even talk a little bit recruiting. Uh, of course, we'll get to all your questions and comments at the end. So be sure to throw those in the chat. All that and more coming your way this morning on Hog Hoops Live. Man, it's been a while, hasn't it? Before we start, I, I do want to do a quick reminder on how to watch and listen. I know it's been a while, but you guys know the drill. Uh, we keep it in the family for the most part here at Hog Sports. The same Facebook page when we go live. The same podcast channel where you'll find Trey on Hog Sports Live. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Uh, it is a different YouTube, though. So do me a favor. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Just search Hog Hoops Live. It'll take you where you need to be. That's, you know... Also, where we upload the live reactions from the games, the different venues that I attend. Uh, you know, we're closing in on 2,000 subscribers there, which is so cool. Uh, really do appreciate your support, so be sure to go over there and, and throw a subscription in. But let's get this party started. We want to talk a little basketball, right? Arkansas hoops, man. It feels like it's been forever since March Madness ended in San Francisco. It's been a long preseason, a unique preseason. But hey, Arkansas is ranked number 10 in the country in the AP and the coaches poll. Picked to finish second in the SEC behind good old Kentucky. Imagine that. But you know, they're on the heels of back-to-back -back Elite Eights. You've got the number two ranked freshman class in the country on board. 11 new faces to learn about and get excited for. So really, there's a lot going on. And we have seen a lot of this team, at least more uh, maybe than we typically do in a preseason. You know, Muss opened the doors to practices this summer, uh, you know, which is something he has not done a lot of in the past. Uh, so shout out to him for that. We were able to go in three or four times, watch 30 to 45 minutes of practice, get some video, uh, start to figure out what this team is all about. It's been fun. And we had four games in that foreign tour in Europe. Uh, shout out to Flow Sports, I guess, uh, for those of you that were able to watch that. The red-white game in Barnhill Arena, the first exhibition against Rogers State. You know, the Razorbacks were rolling there, and, and mostly, I thought, looking the part uh, until this past weekend when 
you know, Texas happened. <laughs> and, you know, the Young Hogs, listen, they got beat up a little bit uh, in Austin. Lost to the Longhorns 90-60 to in a charity exhibition. Uh, that's gross, man. That's not fun. We don't want that. We're not going to spend more than a couple minutes on this. I'd, I'd suggest, if you know, if, if for whatever reason you felt like you needed to go back and get a full recap of that, uh, we do have a live reaction up. So you, you can go check it out on the YouTube page, Hog Hoops Live. But I don't want to get too far into it. But there are some things we need to talk about. So we'll spend a couple minutes. Um, like I said, I'd prefer to maybe move on after driving down there to watch that in person. Uh, but listen... I do think a couple things can be true about this game, right? One, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, doesn't count, doesn't impact the long-term uh, aspirations of this group. Number two, um, man, that can't happen, <laughs> right? Whether it counts or not. And, and I think what's almost more telling uh, than the actual result is that you got the sense in the buildup that Eric Musselman, he may have been expecting this to a degree. He damn sure wasn't surprised in the aftermath. So I think, you know, given his tone in, in the preseason and some of the things he said about practice and, and what he's seen and what he's looking for, uh, you kind of got the sense that maybe he felt this group needed a little bit of a wake-up call, and I think they got it. You know, the game itself, we can just quickly do the math here. When you're minus 11 in the turnover department and, and you're minus 18 in points off three-pointers, uh, you allow over a dozen offensive rebounds, you lose in points in the paint, you get outshot at the free throw line, you're probably going to have a hard time keeping pace with anybody, much less a, a top 15 team in its own building, right? So I think I think my hope, uh-oh, hang on. Sorry, we have a dog with a squeak toy, people. All right. But I, I do think my hope, uh, you know, even despite having so many new faces to get acclimated, uh, you know, that, that having a longer preseason and, and maybe more practice games and exhibitions, that would have the Hogs a little bit further along than they are. That was my hope. Uh, but maybe that isn't the case, and, and that's okay. That's fine. You know, to be honest with you, the more I've thought about it, that game at Texas, it gave me uh, some Oklahoma vibes from that game last year in Tulsa in terms of how it really just kind of unraveled on the Razorbacks. Uh, so maybe they're getting it out of their system now instead of mid-December. And if that's the case, maybe they are ahead of schedule, right? So a little silver lining there, if you will. But listen, you know, at this point, I think it's fair to say Eric Musselman has 100% earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to just, just getting his teams to play their best ball when it matters most. And that's not the end of October or early November. It's down the stretch. Right, and we've seen that. And there's also, though, a method to his madness and a formula for that success, right? Just because it's happened in the past doesn't guarantee it'll happen again. Uh, and the vibe I get is, is that maybe this new, you know, younger roster was, was taking things for granted a little bit to a degree in that regard. Muss has mentioned things like, you know, needing the guys to play to their level of talent day in and day out, being more consistent, playing with more competitive stamina. Uh, you know, things like, like that are, to me, just, you know, maybe, maybe buzzwords or phrases that indicate he believes in the talent that he's assembled, first of all, and he's seen flashes of what they're capable of, and I think we all know that's a lot, um, but to reach their goals or, or expectations, whatever, uh, they have to come with the same mentality and embrace that same culture of hard work uh, as the ones who came before them. It's a process to get everything operating in sync and, and to get all the gears turning in the right direction. 
So, you know, what Saturday does reflect is probably more or less where Arkansas is at right now in the moment. Uh, and it's, it's a team with a lot of work to do if they want to live up to that top 10 hype. I will say Arkansas went into that game in Texas with the plan of treating it like an actual game as, as much as you could. When things got out of hand, they rested some guys and went deeper into the bench than maybe they normally would. But look, good on good, they got waxed by the Longhorns. So, uh, you know, whatever, right? The sun rose in Fayetteville the next morning, and it will in March when this team is, is you know, one that nobody wants to play. And that includes Texas. I'd love to get a rematch at the end of the year uh, because I do think it would be a, a much different game. Uh, but I'd imagine it was a humbling experience. Muss has their full attention now, and there's a new sense of urgency when it comes to doing things the right way moving forward. And that's exactly what Arkansas needs because they know, hey, if they continue to play like that moving forward, there's going to be some more butt whoopings coming. Uh, but I think they know now you can't take for granted some of the preseason accolades and the hype. You got to go out there and back it up. You got to go out there and earn it. I think they'll respond. So moving on, like Arkansas is, you know, where do things stand heading into the regular season because uh, I'm a little torn on what the vibe is right now. You tell me, right? Well, what is the vibe right now? This Texas thing, it doesn't count, but it's a weird way to enter the season, right? Because the hype and anticipation has been at all time high, uh, but you're coming off this weird 30 point loss in an exhibition. It's kind of like a boxer walking into his first fight with a black eye that he got during sparring. Doesn't mean he's going to lose that fight, but it is a little weird. It makes you wonder what's going on. Uh, so I wonder how people are feeling. Has it impacted uh, the excitement level, the hype? I still think they're going to have a great season. We'll talk about it a little bit more here in a bit, but I don't know. It's, it's just kind of a little bit of a different vibe. I mean, last year, Arkansas won both of their exhibitions. They didn't play particularly well. They almost lost to a D2. Uh, kind of had a dogfight there with North Texas. They got off to a slow start uh, in terms of, of playing to their full potential, but I think they got off to an 8-0 start, to be fair. Schedule's a little more difficult this time around. But, you know, what can this group hang its hat on early in the season? Uh, what are the areas of concern that we might need to keep an eye on as Arkansas gets rolling here? Uh, you know, I think to get the bad out of the way first, well, might as well. Uh, let's start with the turnovers. Man, I, I'll be honest, I didn't buy into it necessarily in Europe. At 80-plus turnovers in four games, but it's different rules. FIBA's a different type of game. They whistle the game differently uh, overseas. I just kind of consider that a blip on the radar, especially with all those new guys. Uh, but listen, they, they have had two months to practice and clean things up and build continuity, uh, and it hasn't gotten better. 16 turnovers against a Division two, that's too many. 23 turnovers against Texas, uh, that ain't going to cut it. So... Uh, you know, maybe I'm a little surprised that this has been uh, a glaring problem uh, because I do think the passing across the board on this team is at a different level. I think we'll see that eventually. Uh, and I think Nick Smith and Anthony Black are special, special players. Uh, but even the Burger Boys, the McDonald's All-Americans, it requires a little bit of patience. These guys are going to get comfortable playing together at their own play, at their own pace. And that's not to say that A.B. and Nick are the only guys making turnovers. They're not. They're just the lead ball handlers. It's, I think they had seven guys with multiple turnovers at Texas, so everybody's got a little bit of work to do in that regard. Uh, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for these guys to gel and get comfortable. And, and from that standpoint, you know, I, I think these turnovers will work themselves out organically over time. But what they can do right now is clean up some of the unforced, uh, careless stuff out of the gates, right? 
just put more of a premium on valuing the basketball, being strong and sure with the rock. Uh, stop getting stripped in traffic because you're playing a little bit soft. You know, don't step on the baseline. Understand that your foot is underneath you when you dribble. Don't dribble off of it. Uh, forcing some things that aren't there. You know, those things you can clean up and that number all of a sudden becomes a lot more reasonable. And some of that's overthinking, uh, you know, being a little unsure of where your teammates are or where they're supposed to be. Uh, that, that's part of it, right? But I do think there are some little things. We talked about that sense of urgency a minute ago that they can work on uh, and clean that number up to, to a, a much more respectable number uh, in the early portions of the season, even before they're firing on all cylinders in terms of chemistry and on-floor continuity and things like that. The three-point shooting, listen, hey, I will happily – eat an actual crow on this show uh, if Arkansas becomes a great three-point shooting team. I, I just don't see it. Uh, and the numbers in these exhibitions and, and what we've heard behind closed doors, it seems to agree. Uh, listen, Nick Smith can shoot it. Jordan Walsh has started to show that he can help. Pinion, uh, we're not sure how much he's going to play. But outside of that, I, I think you're, you're kind of just happy with what you get, uh, for now at least, maybe some guys evolve. Uh, but that's nothing that Arkansas hasn't overcome before. So, you know, where I think this team can excel and should excel uh, are areas that will help them kind of tip the scales back in their favor like it has in years past. Cleaning up the turnovers there is a key because if you're operating at a, at a deficit in terms of three-pointers, uh, you need to get shots on goal at least every possession, right? So, you know, 23 turnovers is 23 shots that you didn't get. Uh, but, you know, I do think this group can be fueled uh, by their defense. I, I realize the Texas game was kind of an eye-opening experience that, you know, maybe they're not a finished product there. But listen, uh, for anybody who's been able to, to be in the gym and watch these exhibitions, the red-white game, whatever, uh, it's pretty easy to tell that the length, the athleticism, the versatility that this team has, it's an elite level. It's different, man. It is different than what it's been in years past, and Arkansas has been really good the last couple of seasons. So to me, there's no reason why Arkansas can't be disruptive right out of the gates defensively to the point where it's forcing more turnovers and it's committing. What does that do? It fuels the transition break. You get out in the open floor, and I think we can all agree that's an area where Arkansas is going to be a lot of fun to watch. When they get out and run, and they've got numbers, and they're throwing lobs, and they're making highlight plays, not only is it, is it fun, is it cool to watch, but it gets the momentum going. It gets you fired up. It carries over to the next possession. It's a momentum changer. Uh, I think they're going to be nasty running the open floor. I really do. And, you know, if you're not going to make threes, um, you better be able to uh, to not give them up. You better be able to guard the three-point line. Uh, again, I think that's where, um, you know, the length of this group comes into play. Across the board, it's not just inside. I know they added a bunch of big guys, uh, but they've got a lot of length. They really do. Um, you know, with the point guard position, how many teams have a 6'8 point guard? Not many. Anthony Black's going to have a 6, 7-inch, you know, advantage on most of the guys that he's guarding, uh, that plays when you're contesting shots out on the perimeter. So again, uh, you know, if Arkansas eliminates, they struggled with just allowing straight line drives against Texas. Well, when, you, when you're not arcing the dribble and it's a straight line drive or a blow by, the defense has to clap deeper, the kickouts, there's more, there's more recovery time to close out, it's more rhythm looks, open shots, they're not as contested as high. Uh, if Arkansas starts using that link to arc the dribbler, eliminate some of those straight line drives, I think they're going to contest the three at a high rate. Must have said that's been an, actually an area that they've done a good job with uh, in practice. I think that'll carry over, and they need it to. You don't want to be trading twos for threes. 
you know, and, and then just to, to play along with that size and length of this team, I mean, they, they really should control the pain on both ends. They should. Uh, they got out tough. They got out physical at Texas. Um, but I think part of that is because they've been able to get by, which is being longer and more athletic than everybody else they played up to this point. Those dudes in Europe, uh, it just wasn't a challenge. The Division II school they played the other night, you know, you can kind of get by on, on your talent and your athleticism alone. Uh, so they do need to toughen up a little bit. I think they will. Uh, but you have all these bodies to rotate in the front court. You're 6'9 or taller. They play with verticality. They get off the floor. Uh, you know, I mentioned it. you got plus height and length at literally every position. So you should rebound really well from your guards also. Rebounding, attacking the rim. I think this is a group that can make plays off the bounce. They should be able to get downhill. Uh, and so getting to the free throw line. A lot of the guys Arkansas brought in in the offseason are really adept at getting to the free throw line. They've got a knack for getting contact, drawing fouls, uh, but not all of them are necessarily good free throw shooters. Must does have a track record of bringing guys in, especially transfers uh, who maybe weren't solid free throw shooters at their previous stop, but showing some significant improvement once they get to Arkansas. They've got those drills that they run. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think they've got a number of guys that, that they need, you know, to pick it up from that department. Uh, they really, I think 20 of 37 in that game against Rogers state, they were a little bit better, uh, but I think still under 70% against Texas. They're going to get to the line a lot. They need to make up that point differential somewhere. That's an area that they can do it. They were great at it last year, led the country in free throws attempted. They shot uh, over 75% as a team. That's a good formula for success. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, what about the lineups, uh, the rotation? Who the heck is going to play? You got all these no, new faces. Who are we going to see out there? It's interesting that, you know, we've seen more of this team in the preseason than the last two, but I feel less certain about the rotation now than I ever have. It doesn't have to be a bad thing either. I'm just saying. You know, going into the season, I, I think that the three five-star freshmen on the perimeter um, – that's where you start, which I thought might not be the case maybe until a little bit later in the year, to tell you the truth. Uh, look, Nick Smith and Anthony Black, those guys are no-brainers to me. They're your two most, most important pieces. I think everything Arkansas is going to accomplish this season starts with those two guys in the backcourt. So I, I feel good about that. A small forward spot has been the one that's interesting to me. Uh, but Jordan Walsh has shown me you know, enough in these exhibitions to think that he needs to be the guy. He started both games, and he hasn't jumped off the page. But has he done anything to get yanked from the lineup either? I don't think so. 
you know, it felt like he was quiet against Roger State, but you look up, he leads the team in plus minus. He flirted with a double-double. He led the team in scoring at Texas, although most of the damage did come late. I think he's just visibly more comfortable than he was in Europe. There's things to work on. He's got to tighten up that handle, especially, get a little stronger. Uh, but I love that he's knocking down a few threes. He competes on the glass. I think he brings a ton to the table defensively. Uh, so I also like the pieces around him, you know, maybe in the projected lineup. I like him there. I think an argument could be made for Devo to start in the backcourt, kind of serve as that, you know, tone setter, stabilizing force. He's one of the only returners you have. He doesn't look very good in these two exhibitions. I mean, I think he's a guy that, you know, you can trust with some benefit of the doubt, right? He's earned that. Uh, and he's going to play a key role, don't get me wrong, but I, I do think Arkansas needs more consistent production from him early in the season. Uh, it's not all about scoring with Devo, but he does only have two points in two exhibition games. Um, his assist to turnover has been okay. I, I think he's 2-1 to one there. That's good. Uh, you know, maybe if they're facing some teams to give him a lot of pressure like Texas did earlier, uh, he has the ball in his hands more. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I do think he can really be a tone setter in terms of energy, uh, defensive intensity, and, and some of those areas. Ricky Council is another guy who he's going to be in the rotation. I, he will. Uh, he was really steady for Arkansas and Europe, not so much in these exhibition games. I just don't think he's making shots. Um, I liked his energy, his activity on defense. Um, I really like him when he attacks and gets downhill. He's done a good job of getting to the free throw line, and he is a good free throw shooter. I think 85% last year. Uh, Arkansas does need him to make some jumpers. They don't need him to settle for that because it's not the best part of his game. Um, it's an unorthodox release. If you watch Ricky Council shoot, you probably say to yourself, what the hell is Curtis talking about? I don't want this guy shooting the basketball. Uh, but it, it's Jimmy Whitlike in terms of it might not look good, but he can knock it down. He's proven that at Wichita State. He's a guy that can make plays and kind of create his own offense. I think he's a really good fit for what Musselman likes on the wing. And I do think his athleticism plays in the SEC. So he's just got to get a little, a little bit more comfortable and start knocking down some shots. But he's going to be in there in the rotation. I like him off the bench. You know, I, I wondered about him starting for a while there at the beginning of the year. But listen, this is a guy who was the AAC sixth man of the year. And there's something to be said for, for being comfortable uh, not starting a game and coming in and kind of providing an instant spark. And I think he's a guy that could do that. Cause they're going to need some offense in that second unit. Maybe he can provide it. Trevin Brazil, uh, I, he's got to be locked in as your starter at power forward, right? I mean, he can and, and will probably play some small ball center, but he's just the perfect fit in this system as a four-man to me. I've been bullish about that. Uh, he can just create matchup problems and, and use his versatility, I think, a lot better to help the team uh, if he's playing the power forward spot as opposed to uh, you know, maybe operating as a small ball center, which they can create mismatches, you know, of its own. But I think overall, he's better suited at the four. Um, you know, the thing about Brazil, uh, I think his rebounding plays better at the four. I think he'd be a plus rebounder at the four. I think he could be serviceable at the five. You can utilize his perimeter skill a little bit more from there. I, I think he can defend pretty well in space against most fours in the SEC uh, without getting muscled up too much inside. He's really, I mean, he's a special blend of talent. He's kind of got all those intangibles, right, that, that gets scouts oozing, or oozing, <laughs> gushing over him. Uh, but he is oozing with potential. You know, he, he's a guy that's climbing up the draft boards for a reason. We didn't see him too much in the summer pop up on those, maybe one here and there. But 
uh, you're starting to see him pop up in that early second round conversation. If he has a good year, I mean, he could be a guy that goes. He's, he's that talented. Um, I do think the Texas game showed that, you know, he's still a work in progress. Has to play with more physicality at times, and he really needs to kind of limit those spells where he's just on the floor, but he disappears. There's about a five to six minute stretch in that Texas game where he was in. He didn't record a stat. Not a point, not a rebound, not a shot attempt, nothing. He was just kind of out there. Um, he's going to be an important piece to what Arkansas is doing this year, uh, so he's got to make his presence felt when he's on the floor. I think he will. you got to remember, he was at Missouri last year. That was a tough situation. So you go from being, uh, you know, just a freshman, kind of learning your way, playing out of position on a bad Missouri team, uh, to being a dude that's going to be relied on on a team that's got Final Four aspirations. That's kind of a different uh, level of mentality that you have to get to. So it's going to take him a little bit of time to figure it out. I think he's going to have some some explosive games. I think he's going to have some down stretches. But eventually, once you get on into the season, uh, you want him to be a guy that can bring it consistently. He can also help you from three. But the center spot, I don't know, man, y'all tell me. It's uh, It's been like musical chairs, a revolving door, right? I mean, it, it was Kamani Johnson in Europe. And I, th I think Kamani, he's gotten a lot better. He really has. He's going to be in the rotation. I think his experience, uh, man, his toughness, his physicality, that'll help this team, especially early on. I, I don't know if I like it necessarily as a starter. It's just me. I don't know what Must thinks. Uh, but I think he's a good spark plug that can come in when you need energy, uh, you know, pop some guys, bounce them around a little bit, play with some edge. Arkansas is going to need that at times. Um, Jalen Graham, he came on strong for a while there. Look, this is an all Pac-12 guy. He's experienced. Uh, I think he's quite a bit better offensively uh, than I initially gave him credit for. It was 9.9 .9 points per game in Arizona State last year. That's pretty good, but he's a bucket inside. Uh, you give it to him on the low block or at the elbow, let him face up and, and go to work. He's got great footwork in there, uh, an awesome spin move. They call him spin cycle uh, for a reason. It's a really effective move. Uh, now, defensively, um, on the glass, he's got to be a little bit more assertive and aggressive. Uh, you know, me and our man Andrew Ellis talked about this a lot the other day, and I think we like him coming in, you know, with that second unit also. Uh, as a guy who you can just dump it inside to and get some instant offense going. Uh, because I think in your starting group, you know, Nick Smith's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Arkansas is going to look for him uh, to score. And, you know, I, I think that once you get into that second unit or when he comes out and gets his first blow, uh, there's been times when Smith hasn't been on the floor where I've been watching Arkansas offensively going, what are they doing? Who are they going to go to? Who's taking the shot? And I think until you really get comfortable in your offense – uh, where you can dictate who gets the shots and where, uh, you might need some guys to go get it. So I think about a guy like Council who can create off the dribble, a guy like Graham who you can throw it into, who can make a move and score it for you. Uh, and I think I like that in the second unit. As far as a starter, though, could Makai Mitchell be the answer? You know, Mus has mentioned that he needs to, you know, get up to speed in the system, the playbook, kind of part of being a new guy. Uh, Man, but in, in watching him, I, I think you see some of that. But you also, in, in terms of his skill set, his potential, he might be the most well-rounded option that Arkansas has at that spot. He's 6'9", 230. Defensively, I love the way how he, he gets out and defends on the perimeter now. He can really hold his own out there. I think he can be switchable to a degree and, and hold his own against guards. I think he's that mobile. 
He's got some physicality inside. He stops guys with his chest. He can elevate and challenge shots. I think he's active on the glass. Uh, I like that stuff. Offensively, uh, he's more comfortable, I think, around the arc than he gets credit for. He's a good dribble handoff guy. I thought that, you know, we've seen flashes in these exhibitions of him uh, and, you know, Nick Smith or Anthony Black uh, in the pick and roll. Some chemistry brew in there, and he's good at it. Scored over either shoulder. You know, turnovers were a big issue for him at Rhode Island. I also think he was asked to do way too much. He was a really high usage player at Rhode Island. I just don't think that they really used him, uh, you know, to put him in a good position to succeed. His role is not going to be that at Arkansas. So far, so good. He hasn't been turning it over a ton. Uh, if he can play within himself, I think he'd be a good option there. Got to get up to speed. But he looked good. So for me right now, you know, I'm seeing uh, nine guys in the mix regularly. Nick, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, Brazil, Makai, Jalen Graham, Kamani Johnson, uh, Devo and Ricky Council. And yeah, I, I think in the early parts of the season, Muss will keep the rotation expanded a bit. We've seen that. When he gets to crunch time, he's going to play six or seven guys a vast majority of the minutes. Now, it can change on any given night who those guys are. But early on, he'll expand it. I think we'll see those nine guys regularly. And yeah, I, I think we'll see um, in spots, in spurts, guys like Joseph Pinion, who's been impressive in exhibitions. You talk about, I mean, listen, Arkansas needs shooting. He's a guy that can give you that. We know that. The question's been about his defense, and we need to see more because I know it's been uh, you know, an, a work in progress at practice. Uh, but the red-white game against Roger State, even in, in a couple spurts there against Texas, uh, he held his own. And to me, he doesn't have to be a lockdown guy. Right? If you're coming in there to be a sharpshooter, uh, well, you need that strength to outweigh whatever your liability is. He doesn't need to be the best defender on the team. He just needs to be able to stay in front of uh, maybe the other team's worst guard. Can he do that? I mean, so far I think that he can, but we do need to see more. I think you'll see him in short spurts. Can he take advantage of that and expand his role? Time will tell. Barry Dunning's probably another guy uh, in a similar situation, one that played really well in Europe. Uh, has you know the coaching staff has gushed over him in practice, but maybe he hasn't done so much in the exhibitions. He's going to get some looks in there. When you get your opportunities, you got to take them and run with them. So it'll be fun to watch and see how this plays out. And I think the guarantee is that what trots out there Monday night against North Dakota State is going to be different uh, than the season finale against Kentucky in March in Bud Walton Arena. There's a lot of intriguing options there. few more things before we get out of here the the schedule I think is the most challenging schedule that Eric Musselman has put together at Arkansas I really do and they've caught a lot of heat over it you know the COVID year kind of was what it was uh that that just kind of flipped the schedule on its head they lost a, you know a couple important games that they had uh, I want to say they were supposed to play Oklahoma that year I know they were supposed to play Louisville somewhere um and they just couldn't replace it with, with good things. So that's a one-off to me. I think you got to throw that out. That was out of their control. Uh, last year, Arkansas got heated up for their schedule. Um, you know, a lot of those quad four games at home that, that didn't do much for them. Uh, you know, the marquee matchups were what? The Hall of Fame Classic. Kansas State wasn't a tournament team. Cincinnati wasn't a tournament team. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, you, you thought you were maybe going to play Illinois there, but it didn't work out. They lost their game. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Uh, you know, the Oklahoma game, neutral site, that's a nice one. Uh, but for the most part, 
uh, it was pretty light. And before Arkansas really hit their rough stretch where they started losing some games, uh, people were talking about that. Is this team for real? Are they that good? Or are they just playing a terrible schedule? Then they hit that rough patch and everybody was kind of out on them. So it took Arkansas a long time and a hell of a winning streak in SEC play uh, to kind of kind of get people to buy in again. I think we're going to learn about them a lot earlier this season. I really do. Uh, if you haven't checked it out already, I'd encourage you to go over to hogsports.com and, and look. I, I put out a non-conference predictions story yesterday. Um, you know, snapshots of each opponent, key players coming back, what their projections are, and just you know a little paragraph on how I how I might see it playing out. And I, and I put a pick in there. Who knows? Right, but it's fun. Uh, spoiler alert: I, I have Arkansas finishing eleven and two in non-conference. Maybe it's a little ambitious, but I'm trying not to to read too much into what we saw at Texas as an exhibition, and I'm I'm going into it believing that it's going to serve its purpose of being a wake up call, and we're going to see better out of these guys. Uh, I do have Arkansas three and zero headed to Maui. Once they get there, I think they'll beat Louisville. Louisville just lost to a Division two in an exhibition. Does that mean their season is doomed? No, but I don't think their expectations were nearly what Arkansas's are. It's their first year under Kenny Payne. Uh, they don't have that many guards on their roster. It's kind of a weird makeup. I'm anxious to see how that works out for them. But then I have Arkansas taking their first loss to Creighton in the second round there at Maui. They'll either get Creighton or Texas Tech. Both those teams are good. Uh, Creighton is, a, I think they're going to be a really good team. Uh, they've got most of their guys coming back from an NCAA tournament team last year. Uh, they've got one of the best rim protectors in the country and Ryan Kalkbrenner. It's a St. Louis kid that I got to watch when I was scouting uh, back in my old prep hoops days. He's a really nice player. And they went and got Baylor Shireman out of the transfer portal, a guy from South Dakota State who's just a ridiculous uh, knockdown shooter, uh, really good player. Arkansas was hot and heavy after him in the portal. He wound up staying uh, at home and going to Creighton there. So I, I think that's going to be a tough one for the Razorbacks. Uh, and then the, you know the last one there in Maui, I could be talked into anything depending on the matchup. I mean, they'll either get uh, Arizona, San Diego State, uh, Ohio State, or Cincinnati. So who knows? I've got Arkansas. I, I think I picked Arkansas to beat Arizona uh, in the third place game out there. But but who knows what that's going to wind up being? So we'll see. Um, I do have Arkansas getting a little revenge against Oklahoma and Tulsa. We'll see where the two teams are at at that point. But, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but when I was sitting in Austin the other day watching the wheels kind of fall off for Arkansas in the second half, you know, Texas is on a 20-0 run, and I'm getting this weird deja vu. I'm like, you know, what the hell is going on here? Uh, and then I remember sitting in the in the BOK Center in Tulsa watching the exact same thing happen to Arkansas last year uh, in mid-December. That was a low point for the Razorbacks. I, th I think that was their – well, I, I say that was their wake-up call, but it, it just kind of actually started the bleeding. It, it took them a little bit before they figured it out because they lost to Hofstra uh, the next week, right? But uh, I think they're going to get some revenge there. I just think they're better equipped to handle that matchup. They really struggle guarding that Groves dude in, in the pick-and-pop, the big man that can shoot threes. Uh, they've got guys who can handle that this year. I like Arkansas there. I do have them taking a loss at Baylor in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That's in late January. That's tough, man. I don't, I don't know that too many teams are going to go out there and beat Baylor on the road. Uh, you know, they're a national championship contender. There's some tricky ones in there to keep an eye on. There, there really are. South Dakota State at home on November 16th. That's the third game of the season. Uh, first of all, 
some words of wisdom here. You always take a jackrabbit seriously. You don't sleep on a jackrabbit. I saw these guys play at the tournament last year in Buffalo. They were in the same pod that Arkansas was, uh, and they lost the game to Providence, but they looked really good. They lost Baylor Shireman off that team. They got a lot of guys coming back. Uh, this is a team that won 30 games last year. They went perfect 18-0 and uh, in the Summit League. They were number one in the country in effective field goal percentage, number one in three-point percentage. Uh, they have several guys returning, like I said. Uh, kind of gives me some Northern Iowa vibes from last year, if you guys remember that game. Uh, those guys came in, and they were just stroking threes. I know they hit more than a dozen. It kind of wound up being a shootout there. Arkansas, I think, won by about a dozen at the end. Uh, but I could see that being a challenging game for the Razorbacks. Uh, you always look at that North Little Rock game because it gets weird in Simmons Bank Arena. It never fails. Never fails. Uh, lost to Hofstra in there last year. Bradley is a tough opponent to face in there, if I'm being honest. They've got three of their top four scorers back, uh, picked either one or two in the Missouri Valley Conference. So, listen, Arkansas is the much better team, but there, there's some kind of, I don't know, voodoo magic uh, in the wrong direction that's going on in that building. So it'll make you a little bit nervous. Most importantly, though, I guess is the game right in front of you, the season opener November 7th uh, against North Dakota State. That's another Summit League team. They're always tricky. These guys are pretty good. I mean, they, they've played in four straight conference title games. They've won 19 or more games in, in eight of the last 10 years. So uh, pretty consistently good program. I'm impressed with their size. they got four guys who are 6'9 or taller. Uh, now, they're not going to be as athletic or talented as Arkansas, but uh, they've got some size in there. I, I like their big man, Grant Nelson. Depending on when you're watching or, or listening to this, uh, you might be able to watch the Bison play. They've got an exhibition uh, tonight, which is Wednesday, November 2nd, against a D2 school. It might be worth tuning in. I think I'm going to try to check that out if I can. Let's talk a little bit of recruiting before we get to some questions and comments here and, and get you out of here. Uh, hey, the early signing period, it's a week away. Um, everyone's been following along to see how Muss is going to kind of follow up uh, on such a highly regarded signing class from 2022. It's the best in program history. We had it ranked number two overall at, at 24-7 sports, tops in the SEC. Nick Smith Jr. was the number one overall prospect, three McDonald's All-Americans. It's a freaking haul, man. It, it's kind of hard to follow that up, right? So far in 2023, you know, Arkansas has got composite five-star guard, Layden Blocker committed. Really like his game. Explosive lead guard, great defender. He's an Eric Musselman type of guy. But that's it right now. Uh, there is that trio of guys, though, that we've been talking about for more than a year who are closing in on decision time. Uh, it starts with the Colorado Cousins, right? Bayfall, Asan Diop, both 6'10 plus. Falls a five-star, highly regarded guy. Diop is a four-star, certainly a guy with high potential. You know, they visited for that Kentucky game in February. Incredible atmosphere. It's a good experience for them. They were back for an official visit in October for the Alabama football weekend. It's another really good atmosphere. So they, they've been on campus twice now at really good times. They're announcing their decisions on November the 15th. Getting close there, less than two weeks away. Arkansas is a finalist for both. Uh, listen, the staff has done a great job of recruiting them, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, as things stand today, I feel strongly about Arkansas's chances to get them both. I do. Many, many tend to believe that they're a package deal. I don't think that has to be the case, but I know they'd love to play together. They always have. You know, that would leave, if they are a package deal, that would leave Arkansas and Seton Hall 
as, as the finalist for both of those guys. Diop's also considering Colorado, kind of the home state school there. They're both originally from the Senegal, but they've been in Colorado for several years now. I think it's worth at least keeping an eye on Auburn with fall. Uh, listen, Bruce Pearl got the last visit. We've seen what happens with, with Bruce Pearl down the stretch when it comes to Arkansas recruits in the past. Uh, and they've been making a push. They have. So you never know until you know, but I, but I do. I like where Arkansas stands right now with both of those guys. And you've got another five-star prize in Ron Holland. 6'8", it's kind of a, a wing forward. You can play him at the three, play him at the four. Really versatile guy out of Duncanville. Is that a familiar place? Yeah, it is. Obviously, he was teammates with Anthony Black uh, in high school. Played with Jordan Walsh on the EYBL. A lot of connections there. Arkansas has been recruiting this dude for a long time. He, he came on an official visit in June. He was back on campus recently for the red-white game. Calling the hogs. I saw him do it. You love to see it. You know, for a long time, I uh, felt like he was an Arkansas lean. But Texas has come on really strong. They have. They made up ground in the last several weeks. Uh, he trimmed down his list recently to Arkansas, Texas, and UCLA. That's his final three. Uh, he was in the house for that Arkansas-Texas exhibition. Ugh. Not a deal breaker by any means, right? Could have gone better for the Hogs, though. That would have been a nice thing to add to the recruiting pitch. Like, hey, we, we just came into their building, their first game in this arena, uh, and blew them out while you were visiting them. But instead, they can't say that. Uh, listen, here's where I'm at with Holland. I think you're in a two-horse race here with the Longhorns. I really do. Uh, a lot of Texas smoke right now. Uh, a, a lot of my sources, a lot of the guys on our national team, uh, that's where they're leaning. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, you're starting to see a bunch of predictions come in for Texas crystal balls, whatever they call them elsewhere. Um, you take into account that Arkansas just extended a late offer to another 2023 and J.J. Taylor, who plays Holland's position, then it makes you wonder, although I think that might be about something else entirely. Uh, but listen, here's where I'm at with it. The feedback that I get from the Arkansas side is that they're in it with Holland. They feel good about where they stand. They feel good about the recruitment. There's no waving of the white flag here just because momentum is going towards Texas. Uh, and so until I see that, I just refuse to rule Arkansas out. It does feel a little bit um, like Anthony Blackish in terms of the recruitment. And we saw Musk come in and close on that one late when everybody thought he was going to Gonzaga. Okay, so if, if Eric Musselman's still in it and they haven't been told otherwise and they want a guy don't rule them out. Never do that. So do I feel better about Fall and Diop? Yeah, I do. But Holland is certainly very much a possibility for Arkansas. All right, let's jump into some comments real quick and then get you guys out of here. Let me pull them up. Jonathan Parker says, "What is? was it as bad as the score was for the Texas game or did we try different things? It was as bad as the score was. <laughs> It really was. You know, the first half went about like I expected uh, because it's such a big uptick in competition from what Arkansas has faced. Uh, Texas has already kind of gotten that out of their system. They had a close scrimmage against Houston, which is another really good team. Uh, they've got more returners. I think they're just a little bit further along right now. I don't know that they're going to be the better team in the long run. Uh, but I kind of thought Arkansas was going to get back uh, on their heels a little bit. I thought they'd struggle with the pressure and the intensity that Texas played with. It's a, it's a tough team under Chris Beard, uh, and they did. But I also thought they hung in there. What was interesting to me is the first half was progressing. 
And Arkansas has got double-digit turnovers. They've given up double-digit offensive rebounds. They've been outshot by like a dozen, uh, but it's still a single-digit game. And, and to me, that's telling of how talented Arkansas is to just, quite frankly, not play well at all, but be right in a game like it, like that with a top-15 team. But, man, the wheels came off in the second half. I, I thought maybe they'd adjust uh, and figure some things out in the second half and really make it a battle. Uh, but then Texas came out and put a 20-0 run on them, and, and it was a wrap. And it, it got ugly. It did. Um, I asked Eric Musselman that after the, the game in the press conference. I said, did you feel like once you got to halftime that the guys would settle, regroup, and maybe make a game of it? And he said, no, not really. Based on what he's seen in practice is when if they're scrimmaging, when one team gets ahead, um, it snowballs instead of the other team fighting back. So that's kind of some of that competitive stamina that he talks about. Uh, and it's that's a work in progress for this group. But yeah, it, it, it was as bad as the score, unfortunately. <laughs> Doesn't count, though. And Jonathan Parker also says, and must we trust exactly. All right, exactly. You don't want to read too much into this. I mean, Tennessee beat Gonzaga by 20 uh, in an exhibition the night before. Does that mean Tennessee is the best team in the country? No, I think they're really good. Does that mean Gonzaga is going to get blown out by every good team they play? Absolutely not. Got some things to work on, though. Zachary Beeler, I know that name. So what's up, Curtis? It's Z Beeler one from Hogsports, my favorite show on YouTube. My man, Beeler. You want to talk about a Razorback fan. Guy that brings the positivity, brings a little bit of light, even when there's darkness surrounding the message board. Beeler's that guy. Love Z Beeler. Tyler Miller says, I'm not worried about the Texas game at all. I frankly expected it. Uh, this happens every year. We look mediocre in the non-conference and then normally lose a few SEC games uh, to start, then end really hot. <clears throat> I agree with that uh, to a degree. I mean, it, you've proven that you can do that and get away with it, I guess is what I'll say. Uh, and you've proven that you know a, a, a result like we had against Texas uh, is not indicative of what you're going to see the rest of the year. Uh, but just because it's been that way in the past doesn't mean it has to be that way again for another year you know that's kind of my thing you want to take the next step as, as a program uh, or not become predictable or whatever uh, you know my hope would be that they avoid that slide where they lose four or five or, or five or six or whatever or, or really play bad basketball uh, and have to dig themselves out of a hole down the stretch again can they do it absolutely will they do it if they need to yeah I think you can probably take that to the bank at this point but if they could avoid it, that'd be nice too. Uh, but I do agree. I like that it happened early in an exhibition before it counts, before it gets real. If you get that wake-up call now and you start to change the things before the season starts that you were forced to do uh, in late December through mid-January last year, uh, maybe you can avoid that stretch. Listen, there's going to be bumps in the road. We know that with this team. That's just going to happen when you got so many new faces and young guys uh, but maybe after having experienced this, when that set of adversity does come, when they have that first clunker, that first bad loss, instead of it snowballing like we've seen the last couple years, they can backtrack to what just happened in Austin, Texas and go, no, no, we've been here before. We know what we have to do to fix this so it doesn't get out of hand. And I think that's where we could see the difference in this team this year. Yeah, Tyler follows up. Louisville lost to a D2 or D3. Gonzaga got crushed. It's happened everywhere. Yeah, we talked about that. 
stuff doesn't matter. Long term, it doesn't matter. Does it reflect where you're at right now in the moment and the things that you have to work on to be ready to go Monday night when you get to Maui? Yes. Will we even be thinking about this in, in February, March? Nah, not at all. They're fine. Joseph Green says, just hope they lock it down, let go of the hype, and just play ball. I agree. I think they will. Maybe they took it for granted a little bit. I mean, all those guys have heard about is how good they're going to be, right? They see the recruiting rankings, whether it's the freshman, uh, top-ranked transfer portal class, whatever. Every watch list, every award, every preseason accolade comes out. You got Arkansas near the top. You got guys on the list. There's a reason. It's because they are good. It doesn't mean you don't have to go out there and play, right? And they will. I think it's good for them. <laughs> Our Hog Sports page quoted me, I will eat an actual crow. I will. <clears throat> I'm telling you, I, I think Arkansas can be better as a three-point shooting team percentage-wise. It's, it's not saying much. They shot 30% last year from the, from the three-point line. Um, I think it's going to be low volume, though. You know, Arkansas did have some games last year where they ripped off 12, 13 threes. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a lot of those this year unless a guy like Nick really goes on a burner. Uh, but I do think, you know, maybe Arkansas could do themselves a favor by getting into that 33-ish percentage range, maybe a little bit higher, but they're going to have to be really selective with their shots. The good thing is I think they've got guys who attack well enough and guys who pass well enough to where their quality of shot is going to go up. Not as much settling off the dribble, tough shots like you saw JD or, or Chris Likes taking last year. Uh, and more in-rhythm, drive-and-kick type of opportunities. Those are higher percentage shots. You should knock them down. I just don't know how many uh, we're going to see from them. I will eat an actual crow. Let's see here. Merle Gilbreth says, they will grow up young men playing older men. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why Musk really wanted to schedule this game. Now, Texas had a couple really good freshmen in there, too. Uh, Dylan Mitchell, Arterio Morris, those guys looked really good. They're McDonald's All-Americans, too. Uh, but a lot of older, experienced guys who've played together uh, around them. Veteran group, Chris Beard's teams are known for their toughness, their physicality. Uh, they've got dudes who are, you know, six-year seniors out there. So Arkansas needed that, I agree. Tyler Miller says, if Brazil played with Johnson's intensity and physicality, He'd be a beast. I agree. I agree. Um, that'd be a nice combination. And he's got a little mean streak in him. He does, but I, I think bringing that consistently <clears throat> would be a good thing for the Razorbacks. Andrew Ellis, my man. So I just want the records to show that Curtis called me a madman for saying the season was, wasn't over after an exhibition loss. That is, that's, are you bringing fake news onto my show? Here I was thinking I needed to call you for a, for a guest appearance, you know, get you some spots on here. Tell the people what you think about Arkansas basketball, and you just come in here with these these, these falsities. Come on, man. Now, Andrew's my guy. We spent many, 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 many hours talking about this Razorback basketball team. Love bouncing ideas off of Andrew. Um, yeah, season's not over. I'm not calling Andrew a sunshine pumper by any means, but... He has a generally positive attitude. Little yin to the yang situation going on with me and him, my man. Jonathan Parker says, do you think they're just used to being the best athlete on the floor and being able to get away with sloppy play? Um, yeah. I think that I think that's some of it. 
especially if you think about what they had seen prior to that Texas game. Uh, you know, that, that back in Bears team, the last team they played in Europe, that's a pro team. Those guys were just hitting their training camp. They hadn't been practicing together. And the other three games uh, was just either really young guys or a collection uh, of just random, you know, semi-professional whoever's that they brought into a gym. So, yeah, they could get away with it. They could definitely get away with it uh, against a Division II school like Rogers State. Uh, and they found out that, you know, you, you got to bring it uh, a little bit more at a higher level. Um when you play a team like Texas, which in Arkansas is going to see a lot of teams like that early in the season and absolutely uh, in SEC play. And then finally, uh, Joe Blevins says nowhere, nowhere but up for this bunch. I agree. Yep. I agree. They're going to get better. They always do. Um, they look like a top 10 team the other day. No, but can they be that at the end of the season? Absolutely because the talent is just at a completely different level. Oh, we got a couple more rolling in here real quick. Uh, Caleb Knight says, how bad does this hurt our chances with Holland? Uh, I touched on that a few minutes ago. Uh, listen, when you've been in a recruitment battle uh, with a guy, those relationships have been built over the co course of a year, two years. Um, nah, it, it doesn't hurt him that bad. Now, was he impressed with what he saw from Texas? I'm sure he was. Would he have liked to see more from Arkansas? I'm sure he would have, but no, in no way is that a deal breaker or uh, something that, that should sway a decision one way or the other. So I, I wouldn't be concerned from that standpoint. Um, and then Tyler finally says that the Texas game was so good for us. It showed our guys we can't just show up and win. Got to earn it. Agreed. Agreed completely. All right. I get you guys out of here. 53 minutes. Man. But you know what? It's been a while since we've done this. It was a fun show. Probably a little bit too long, but um, I had a lot to say. You guys had a lot to say. I love it. And we'll typically do this uh, once a week during the season, right? Usually after the midweek game, Arkansas, if they play on a Tuesday, we'll usually do this on a Wednesday. If they play on Wednesday, we'll do it on Thursday. Uh, it'll be a little bit different during football season. Trey does his show on Monday and Thursday, so we'll mix and match a little bit. Uh, Arkansas plays on Monday next week, so be on the lookout for the next episode of Hawk Hoops Live coming uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Really appreciate you guys as always for tuning in. Uh, for your support, for being interactive on the show. I, I think that's what makes it great. I want everybody to have a great weekend. Watch the Hogs beat Liberty, top 25 win coming this weekend. Uh, and tune in Monday as basketball opens up against North Dakota State. That's 7 o'clock, Bud Walton Arena. It's on SEC Network Plus. It's been Curtis Wilkerson. Hey, we'll catch you guys next time on Hog Hoops Live.